I just want to talk and I want honest answers. My name is Matthew Kroll. And do you know what a foot and a half is? Because I'm from New Zealand, I don't. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film... It Comes at Night, which is also the possible winner for my title could also be a porno. Okay, no, that is true. That is true. It is a, um, a, a, uh, oh, first I was going to say alluring title, but I don't know if that's exactly the case. Uh, you know, you know what's going to be fun about this episode? What? Is I know just judging by the box office numbers for this film and, and the kind of audience that are going, like in my screening as well, it was like a dozen people, literally sure. dozens. Sure, sure, sure. Well, it's a smaller movie. It's an A27. This is a uh, A24. A24. I always say 27. Well, you're adding three. Plus three. Things. Yeah, plus three. Um, is that, we are probably going to have an audience of 10 people for this. Yay! <laughs> so for These you are 10, intimate. Come on 10, in. Come on in. Get close. And I'm guessing you're people that know who we are, yep, what so, we do. Yeah. I'm going to give you the, the email address again so you can sure, email us. Just in case. We're hoping just because there's only 10 of you. Just you know, come look, on in. Yeah, it's get, intimate. Just get behind get the closer. red door. I'm going to deadbolt it and we're all going to stay inside and you talk on about the this lift, movie. Cross your legs. Sit down. Like we're going to light a candle. It's going to be great. Everyone put on your gas masks. Yeah. Lay down. Here. <laughs> Where can folks find us? You can find us. No, not just Bane. Gas mask voice. You can find us. Uh, we're not doing this. This is Bane. Find us. <laughs> uh, I'm doing. I'm doing Bane Yoda. Uh, find a Bane Yoda. Find us. You will. Oh fuck! I shouldn't have done movie. this. No, onlymoviepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Go to our Facebook page where a lot of action's going on right now. I mean, action by things. By by action, I mean we're just posting things. Action, <laughs> action, interesting stuff. Uh, and uh, check out our website www.onlymoviepodcast.com. Also, keep those reviews on iTunes coming. We're very very excited that people are finding the show. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, really getting into it. Yeah. If you survive this, if you do not get infected by the end, please leave us a <laughs> review, leave some stars, and uh, maybe that'll make the uh, itchy tasty go away. Also, we've been getting some emails. Now, the interesting thing is we've been getting email. We, uh, our Wonder Woman episode and our Life Aquatic episode yes. got a lot of comments. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. people. And and it's it's people we know. Bring it. That are emailing us back. So and uh, it's all against me. And listen, I offered not to do this. I, I'm I, ready. I Bring off, on. I offered not. I said, look, we don't need to do this. Bring on the pain. <laughs> uh, so I, a week on. What do what are you what are your thoughts on Wonder Woman? We last for those who who are keeping track. I still last, love it. I haven't gotten a chance to see it again, but I want to. You want to see it again? Yeah. Okay. I uh. I have not thought about it again. Although it's funny, it's a movie that there is a lot of conversation going on about. Sure, and this sure. is a Stephen Buja, friend of the show, host of Oscar Watch podcast. Check yep. it out; very, very good podcast. Hopefully, I think I'm doing an episode sometime soon. Ooh, excellent! Um, he's uh, wrote in and said, "Hey guys, just listened to a very lively discussion about Wonder Woman. It uh, was. It was a very lively discussion. I use the quotes because the trend I'm noticing about this film is that people are not discussing the movie on its merits itself. People are talking about the importance of the film." And I'm not disputing that. However, an important movie does not make a good movie, nor vice versa. And I love this sentence. It's odd. I'm siding with Shahir on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't go into the details because he's basically referencing things that we talk about in that episode. Sure. But he basically thinks that it's a, uh, a movie that is unfortunately crushed beneath the weight of the burden it bears, but also is a rather lazy uh, film. Uh, I think he's being a bit harsher than I was on the movie. Uh, he really didn't like the third act. Um he comes down to ultimately it's a regular superhero film read dude origin movie with a female character. One could argue that the biggest hero is actually Chris Pine because why do we give a damn about fighting Ares? Uh, everyone's been going out about Patty Jenkins direction. Uh, but what we're overlooking that it's still a woman written. It's still a, a, a female film written by a dude, right? I don't know how much input she, uh, she had, but it would be curious to see one woman's movie starring written by and directed by a woman. Uh, as always, you guys are great. So are you, Steve. Thank you for that email. Yeah. I mean, uh, Look, Steve and I for, have been uh, movie reviewers for before you were a twinkle in my eyes. You hear we yeah. uh, we were doing same night movie review back before YouTube. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I am akin to uh, Stevens, uh, young Stevens, lovely opinions, and he and I have clashed quite a bit as you and I do. Um, I mean, look, I get it, and I get I get your points from last time, and I get his points in the email. I just think the. Um, a, I don't 100% agree with sort of the just throwing it off as a sort of perfunctory film outside of the conversation being had uh, about it, but more so even 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 if I agreed with everything that Mr. Buja said, um, 
I would still say the the great outweighs the shitty in that scenario from a cultural standpoint, and I would even be okay with it, even though I don't agree. If I did, I'd still be fine. I didn't follow what you said, but <laughs> but but uh, I'm you know like again, I haven't really thought the th- I guess uh, I'm not that interested in this movie i am interested in the conversation the movie generates and i'm interested in in having a conversation about why i think it's um it's just you know to the thing to me it was it's just an okay movie well i think it's a, more than an okay movie but since everyone and not everyone just actually <laughs> really just four ish uh uh dudes that i know uh have have sort of like knocked it back to like just okay movie and now i want to go see it i mean i want to see it again obviously Did you anyway see it twice though i didn't not yet. Oh, okay um and i'd really like to um i'd like to see if i just had sort of like first timer goggles on or like i don't know what it was because it's from people i respect and and whatnot. I just don't agree not with that. I'm not one of those people. No, 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 Come on. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a lot of interesting emails about that. We also had an email, uh, from Greg Baldwin this week. Who's also been, uh, on the show as well. Uh, again, uh, not siding with me. Uh, I'm 90% of the time on team crawl when listening for the first time, but I can go on and on by, I think Matt is wholeheartedly wrong about the life aquatic. Um, however, I'll save my gripes when I see him in person. Um, oh, 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 oh will you Greg? Yeah. yeah. Um, will you, he also makes a request and this is not the first, uh, request for this, but for us to do the, uh, entire Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the uh, list. For, uh, from Edgar Wright. Uh, so I, I think that uh, might be a good primer for baby driver. Oh, that comes out soon. Doesn't it? It does come out soon. I, although I've seen all of these movies, so we could, we could talk about them. Yeah. I'd rewatch them. Again, uh, I but, love them. but essentially I think, you know, this goes back into that conversation about music and film. Yep. Uh, I would talk about guardians of the galaxy. I talk about uh, and, life aquatic. And to, to be fair, Greg, I just want to shout out straight to you, buddy. Uh, look, I, I felt bad. By the way, I don't think Greg's in the room. I, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at an empty chair. Uh, well, he's not coming by anymore because he's so mad at me. No, I wanted to like it. I wanted to still have the feeling I had for it, and I just didn't. And that disappointed me more than anyone. So I'm sorry that I'm sorry, I guess. I'm, yeah, I'd be curious to know what his specific I don't agree with Matt yeah. is. And then uh, Red wrote in too, right? I believe he did. Check those emails. Check them. Check them. He didn't. Maybe he texted me. Yeah, I don't know. Red basically said the exact same things that Steve said. Uh, it was kind of interesting. And he, again, he did the whole like, I don't normally agree with Shahir, but uh, <laughs> what is this? No, I don't normally agree with Shahir. Look, you're you not. It's funny. A, a person was reviewing us on Facebook this week and said, uh, Shahir hates fun, but he's always right about every movie. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, uh, I could have sworn Red did that too, but I can't find the text. <laughs> anyway, I was just, I think there's three people in your corner this week, and that's fine. Hey, everybody. Um, why don't you defend me for once? <laughs> I mean, actually, it's not true. They always defend me. This this time, these two have been uh, have been pointed, and that's great. Let's keep adding to the discussion. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm, by discussion, I mean me screaming at people, it's me screaming at the void. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you do. Uh, it was a heated episode. It's a good one. It's a good one to listen into uh, to see, to see how the conversation go. I think I think what about better ones as well? Yeah, yeah actually, I in agree. In terms of like uh, us really going at the movie, um, but that's not why we're here. This, nope. Why we're here is because something knocked on the door and it came at night. Mm. Uh, you see what I did there? I did. Um, I, I, this is an interesting movie. This is a movie that I love to talk about this kind of movie because, <laughs> and, and, and if we just go on metrics alone, Rotten Tomatoes, 86% of fans uh, of critics love it. Yep. 43% of fans <laughs> like it. Yep. Um, so, and, and we, uh, I, it's I, a critics movie. I saw this with a friend and we started like talking about that and was like, Oh, it's actually true. There's the, whenever fa- a critics love a movie, fans tend to dislike it. Um, uh, there's very few movies where that act, those two things line up. And I think it's, there was an interesting conversation that, uh, I think it was on vulture or maybe a V club that uh, came out this week about the way in which we review a film like wonder woman. And, uh, the conversation was based around the fact that a lot of the male reviewers of wonder woman talk, talked about things that were, um, seemingly six as they were talking about her looks her appearance, that sort of thing, you know, the classic sort of, um, 
sexist sure. uh, things that you would do for a film like that. And the, the argument was being made was that film criticism is classically a male dominated area. And we need to like expand the idea of what film criticism is sure. and that everyone has a unique perspective on a film. So uh, a scene it would in, help if we weren't the only podcast about movies. That's step one. Well, and, that's then, and then diversify from Did there. Did you write the review where you were just talking about Gal Gadot's body? Is that what you were doing? Is that, is that you or? Oh no. Oh, these are written reviews. Written reviews. Oh yeah. No, I don't know anything about those. We're uh, the only audio. I wish should put that in our title right yeah yeah i think we did uh or the only podcast no that's right the only part we did it we're set yeah. we covered our ass so i don't want to i don't want to open the conversation about wonder woman up but yeah i, I mean i noticed you pulled it up where it's i like mean i fans, just want i was looking at the numbers right now could you just read those numbers what we were saying fans and critics alike are on 92 percent. so it seems like the four people that that defended me this week aren't on that uh on that same spectrum for once i'm on the public side <laughs> for once matt Kroll is a for once is a public defender oh yay um but I, uh, I was really interested. In the, so I, I had seen a poster and, uh, every time I hadn't seen the trailer for this either. Oh really? Yeah. I, it came up in, in a bunch of movies that I'd seen recently. And every time it would come on, I was like, I would have to like jam, like, you do hit, your thing where you, hit, yeah. headphones into my, into my ears because I was like, I don't want to see any image from this movie other than the movie itself. Yep. Um, and then over the weekend, I did a. Uh, I went back and I watched Tra- Trey Edward Schultz's first film, Cretia, yes, which is a film that I had heard very, very good things about, but had just you know kind of never got. How was it. that? I haven't seen. I've seen the scene that we're going to talk about that you set up for me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I my jaw dropped when I saw it. Yeah, I I was I was absolutely floored by Cretia. I, I the thing to know about Cretia, and I know we shouldn't necessarily take production. Uh, the production history into account. It's a $30,000 movie Mm -hmm. that he made in his house with his family as actors. So the scene, uh, and just to to set it up, uh, I showed Matt a scene from the movie that I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, uh, And if you're listening in, you know, the 10 people that are here, you can, uh, the film is available on Amazon prime. You can go to the 11 minute mark to see the the scene that I showed Matt, which is about a five minute scene. Um, The film was made uh, with his family as actors. Which is great. They're, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it's made in his, in his house. So it's kind of like a home movie in mm-hmm. a weird way. Um, but my jaw in, even in that first scene that I showed you absolutely hit the floor and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, it's, it's, it's artfully done to get you to, to portray the feeling that he wants you to get. Uh, for me, this feeling that you get with that is th- that was, it's uncomfortable to watch. Okay. Uh, um, so uh, the, just, the scene basically uh, is of an aunt coming home to a, a family for Thanksgiving who she apparently lives alone and uh, it's all the hustle and bustle of this like 20 something family not they're all 20 something there's 20 a, a, big, of them. a big family yeah, uh, for, and for she's sort of dealing with like being in a house full of people for the first time in a long time and it's the score and the, sort of the sound effects sort of mixed with it that are uh, sort of emphasizing this one shot scene or for the most part one shot scene yeah. Um of, of her experiencing this and it has a lot of like like noises in the background along with these noises people watching football game cheering there's a blender going off shink 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 of a knife cutting food and it's just it's it it gives you the sense of like for instance I don't I very rarely have sensory overload that made me feel like I had sensory overload and that's what he's trying to do and he did an excellent job doing that yeah and it's a it's a scene that's uh, very uh, reminiscent I would I would caution to use the word derivative because I I it is very similar to a scene from Punch Drunk Love when this is happening to Adam Sandler as well in his warehouse, which even has the same uh, a similar music score. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's the. I was thinking a little bit about. I was thinking about a little bit about you and I, Matt, and oh, I was no. and, I, and I was thinking about the things that make us happy, and and for me. That scene it, for you is taking the joy away from me. Is really what the, no, the, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can make you feel, if there was I, a scene, and that actually, I totally get why you really like that because that that scene did suck the joy out of me. And again, from a technical level, I 100% agree. Was it super effective and very skillfully done? I just felt awful watching it. Right. Whereas what I was kind of, uh, I'm just having my my. Uh, emotions rung was that how effectively it was done and how how masterfully this little film kind of took this idea and really made you feel it yeah. and I think and I think you know like that's that's what uh, you know you know we talked a little bit about this during the the Wonder Woman episode as well as like films that are uh, the words I keep using are hermetically sealed I don't know if that's the right term for to describe this but it, but but there is a sense of um, confluence between the 
motive, the, the way the film is actually made and what it's trying to say. And I, I, I really love that. I love it when a film is getting to a point and it's using the tools of cinema to do that so, and using, and using a really specific cinematic language. So do you think that two question, two part question, mm-hmm. uh, do you think that I'll it, take the second part first? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it that way. Uh, do you think that, uh, it comes at night is effective in the same way? And is it using similar tropes that he used here or different ones? Uh, well, we'll get into, let's get into our review of it comes at night. Sure. Uh, first off, go see Krisha. I think it's a, I think it's phenomenal. If you enjoyed, uh, it comes at night, uh, you'll love it. Um, I absolutely adored it comes at night. I thought it was phenomenal. It's actually, it, and what I, what I kind of was surprised by is it's using a, um, it actually felt a lot more subdued than Krisha. Krisha felt. Yeah. Much more, even in that five minutes, hundred percent. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, it comes at night is a lot more subdued than Krisha. The thing that I was, I, I was really curious about was that the, the, the story of Krisha. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around here, but this will, this will make sense eventually in the wash is that Krisha is a story of a woman coming back to Thanksgiving. So it seems like a family melodrama kind of story, Sure, but it's shot like a horror movie. And it feels like a horror movie. Um, and and so the fact that Trey Edward Schultz was going to do a horror movie with A24, who is a studio that we know is trying to push interesting independent film yeah. work out and there. And I love their stuff. I mean, everything yeah. I've seen from them, I've, I've liked overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, just is... is incredibly exciting. Uh, and as well, this is also led by Joel Edgerton, yeah. uh, an actor I really, really like. Same. Um, so uh, all of that said, I was kind of primed to like it. Uh, I would have to say it's like it's in my wheelhouse. It's the kind of film I I'm really, really excited for. I think we talked a little bit about this in um, our Guardians of the Galaxy review is that this this is a five million dollar movie. And there's the potential for these kinds of movies to get lost in the wake of like the Guardians of the Galaxy and that sort of thing. And, you know, this movie made its money back. It's uh, it's doing okay. I mean, I could see that. I also think as the audience, uh, the the audience um, reaction uh, to it it plays into that as well for me about the whole worry of it getting lost or not. Right. Right. Um, but that's neither here nor there right now. Well, the, the point to that is, yes, I was in an audience. Um, I had three fairly young people sitting next to me who were often looking at their phones, who like got up to get like, uh, snacks midway through the movie. And then we're like often going, what the fuck is happening here? Why are we watching this? And what's this, what's this? And then when the ending came, you just hear like a, huh? But then there were like two people in front of me who clearly uh, had come because they knew what the film was and they seemed to love it. They were, they were completely into it. And I was completely into it as well. I, um, my, my gut feeling about this film is that it is claustrophobic. It is tense. It is, it's, it's really, and it's defying expectations on almost every level. Like it's doing things that I, that you would think just from the title, uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect, but it, what, what I, what I really, really liked about it is that it's such an experiential film. It's such a, it's such a film about putting you in the moment of having to deal with a decision that's being made right in front of you. So like, for example, uh, the story is about this family that is, um, isolated dealing with some kind of disease, but they're entirely boarded up in this house, um, you know, and trying to keep people out. They have gas masks and a, and a limited water supply. Um, and some, and a stranger played by Christopher Abbott will appears in the house and, and Joel Edgerton's character, Paul kind of puts him through the ringer in terms of like tying him up, tying him to a tree, putting him outside, and then has this conversation with him where he's essentially saying, look, I don't want to hurt you, but my family comes before everything else. And I'm going to, his family consisting of his wife, um, his his son son. uh, and a dog and a dog. And, uh, and I, what I loved about that scene is that I, I understood and empathized with every decision he was making. I also understood and empathized with every decision Will was making. It was this one of those scenes where I was like, this is such a good example of writing that is trying to, put you in this moment. It's not like trying to give you backstory about the whole, you know, everything that's happening. It's just trying to say, okay, we're in this scenario. What are you going to do? And I, I just, I, for me, the reason this film works is that it, that's what the film is doing. 
I mean, I think this film works for a lot of reasons. I think the exact stuff that you just said is 100% true. I think the um, the dialogue and the actors and, and the sort of the acting that is on and directing on on display is exquisite to keep you in those moments. I think the set design is wonderful. The house that they're in has a lot of interesting camera angle tricks. And one that particularly worked a couple times on me was a mirror hanging in the main room where you sort of see the person coming down the stairs from the opposite side and it throws you off. It just when they're walking through a house at night, it kind of throws you in a very interesting way not in a cheap cheesy way mm-hmm. um uh i also like the the whole small feeling about the apocalypse uh again this this the setup of the world for me because the world honestly was not the draw of this film that wasn't why is this happening what is the disease yada 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 it was what what are these characters going to do in the world so it gave the exact amount of exposition that i felt it needed uh it turns the genre a bit in its head actually i wouldn't even call this a horror movie to be honest it's more of a psychological thriller but you don't quite really know that until the end uh and uh then the sound design also uh, in conjunction with the cinematography again is mm. just is is really 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 on point uh, the dialogue like I said the dialogue but here's here's where I, my thing sort of falls apart this thing actually for me uh, uh, <sighs> the story and the pace is great until one of the maybe two thirds through the film for me where there's a turning point and then everything to me gets stupid. Okay. And I want, and I, 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 this is the signs effect for me. Okay. Well, you, you've listed uh, a bunch of things that you like. Yeah. Um, but just, just kind of give me your overall impression of walking out you, of the, walking yeah. out of the theater. I was angry at the film. You're angry at the film. Yeah. Okay. And my entire audience was angry at the film. I think a little bit less critically than I was trying to be, but like people, I literally heard two different couples be like, I want my fucking money back. Right. And I was like, first of all, Oh, first of all, public service announcement. If you sit through a whole fucking movie, you don't get your money back. I don't give a fuck if you liked it or not. You sat through that whole thing and they have your money. So I don't know if those couples went to try to get their money back, but if they did, that's pure bullshit. <laughs> so I just hate, I fucking I, hate I've, that. I've, I've got, uh, if we're going down a side note, I have an example of that where, where, uh, a movie distributor was playing was playing the movie Irreversible. You you know yeah, yeah, yeah. the Gaspar Noé film, yeah. and they came out uh, at the at the screening and said, "Hey, look, guys, this movie is very disturbing and a difficult movie to watch. We want you to know that you do not have to sit through this movie, and if you leave at any point, including the final credits, and want your money back, we will give you your money back." And and they were making the point that like we we don't want anyone to feel like just because you paid for this, you have to sit through this. I, and I, and I, I, I that's was like, nice. I was that's really, a, re- I was like really taken by that sentiment. That's and, great. But this isn't the same thing. I no, think. no, this isn't the same. Scenario. Um, so, so I was upset and I kind of want you in our discussion here. I kind of want you to save me from, I, I would, I would love to <laughs> love this movie, me? Yeah, but the signs analogy, I forget if I've talked to you about that before. So I've seen signs. Okay. So I, this is, this is, this is my problem with signs and it's not the, it's, it's the same problem in scope, but not obviously the same problem in situation. Okay. So signs is the tale of Mel Gibson and his family. Uh, spoiler alert for signs uh, that uh, has alien encounters. Aliens are coming down to earth. And apparently for the only reason that we're actually told, because you know, we're not told the whole macro of the entire thing uh, or the micro for that matter uh, to eat people. They're eating people that we see them. They but rip the limbs water, off, but not water based people. Well, here's the, yeah, and here's the thing. The end of the movie, the, 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 the thing that hurts them is water. So here I am an intergalactic species that's traveling thousands of light years to travel to a planet that's covered in 75% of the stuff that kills me to eat things made of 80% of the stuff that kills me. Okay. It's something, it's a narrative leap after doing an otherwise exquisite job of storytelling in every aspect of filmmaking that makes me just, it breaks the entire thing for me and gets me a little bit same with, I mean, lobsters a little different. But like it's that one aspect that then turns the the most delicious meal I've ever had into just a steaming pile of rotting food. And it and, and, and I'm not sort of say I, I, it just I'm not I, saying, it, I, I don't wanna, I don't want to like, shit on I don't want to shit on the film. Uh, itself that the analogy I just used was kind of harsh because there's a lot of beautiful things about it. And, and I think even the, even the way we experienced that scene from his mm-hmm. previous film, it speaks a lot to how we both experience movies. You were looking at the sort of technical mastery of like how that emotion was being a, being able to be portrayed to an audience. I was really feeling the emotion and that emotion in that particular scene was uncomfortableness, right? So I can totally see from a craftsmanship perspective, how this film is amazing, but from an actual, just audience member perspective uh, in being engrossed in the film. There's a part eventually that just broke it for well, me. Well, see, I think there's a difference in, in what we responded to in that scene. What I'm saying isn't that it's technically crafted to 
I'm not, I'm not being purely analytical. What I'm saying is I feel the emotion in that scene and I'm impressed by how effectively it, I felt it because of how well that scene is made. Right. So I think that's slightly different from where just I'm being just, in, I'm, I, whereas what it sounds like is you don't like feeling that way. I was distracted. I couldn't focus until after the scene was sort of done yeah. on, on the, the being awed by the craftsmanship that made me feel that way. Right. Okay. Um, so in the experience of watching the film and yeah. I've thought about, I mean, I saw this film yesterday. It, it comes at night. Um, I was trying to sort of think of ways to not even have this harsh of a tone for it at right. the end of it, because I, I really like 80 to 90% of the film okay. I, I, and it, probably even more, but there's, it's like the keystone to a, to one of those old stone bridges. Like that okay. thing's not in place and the whole thing crumbles for me. So this is a, So we'll, we'll move on to spoilers here because I, I understand what you're saying about signs yep. and that makes sense to me. Sure. I don't see where that analogy, it's a little holds. bit different here. Yeah. So, so the, the whole thing, we'll get to spoilers now. Let's, uh, but um, bum, Wait, we're so, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're just making noises. Is that I Dream of Jimmy or Do Witch? Spoilers. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's our song. It's not our song. If anyone wants to remix it, go ahead. Yeah, please. Um, so, uh, eventually after, um, uh, Paul runs, uh, will through the ringer, they decide to go get their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out, uh, will was not lying. He has a young wife and an even younger son. Mm-hmm. They move into the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul lays down the law yep. and this is about the house. Let's just set this up for the audience. Just in case they they're deciding to listen to this without seeing the movie. Um, Paul says at a, at a dinner table, very calmly and Paul, Paul's very pragmatic and, and, and. I really do appreciate you can experience this film from everyone's perspective mm-hmm. uh, and you're never like that person's a crazy person because you can see like, oh, like I felt this way sometimes about this, you know, whatever. Yeah, the rules are there's one entrance to the house mm-hmm. uh, and there's an outdoor outdoor door, like a door that leads to the outside that is locked with a key. Mm-hmm. It's around Paul's neck at all times or given to Sarah. Yeah, then the inside that room is sort of like a, a I guess what I consider their quarantine room. It's wrapped in plastic. It's where the grandfather in the beginning of the film passed away yeah. where they were keeping before he they had to go out and kill him and burn his body because that's what you do with infected people here then there's this interior door that's painted red and it's very ominous um mm-hmm. and now since then i've watched the trailer it's the one you see in the trailer yeah and then a long hallway just one hallway that then gets you into the big house that's yeah. the only everything else has been boarded up he says yeah so they don't go out at night uh i can want to call him joel because it's joel edgington yeah uh his name's paul paul's like i have the key to the outside door the inside door stays bolted at all times yeah family agrees there's a nice montage of everyone getting along that's super nice Mm -hmm. then uh as it's happening uh travis his son paul's son uh is kind of sort of having uh, he can't sleep a lot and he, that's sort of he goes and like li- eavesdrops in the attic on people because he has nothing else to do and he's a 17 year old kid. Yeah. Um, he uh, has having sort of like waking dreams. He's having sort of nightmares mm-hmm. uh, at the nighttime, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, they'd be daymares and then they'd be beautiful horses. Okay. Um, so <laughs> it's a mare. I, I think you're talking like a uh, Blade Runner. No. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> um uh, he has one interaction when he can't sleep with Kim, who is Will's wife, played by Riley Coe yep. from uh, American Honey that we talked. About yeah, so yeah. she was great in the film. Uh, and there's a weird moment where they're downstairs. This is the first obviously young woman he's come across in forever. So his 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 his, his uh, gaze slips. We've all been there. Yeah, uh, we've all been in a post-apocalyptic setting where we meet the one woman who's kind of our age. Yeah, uh, and then they sort of break it up. Nothing happens, but like he starts having sort of like you know lustful thoughts at least about her, even on a on a lizard brain level. And again, that's not you don't blame the kid for it. It's just sort of sort of happening. Then he has a nightmare about her and blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting for the the connection to. Right, right, right. Well, the science science. connection is going to sort of come in a little bit. So, okay. uh, Eventually, as is apt to do in these films, um, something goes wrong. So we've established that um, that Travis, the son, has been having weird day night nightmares, and we're never quite sure, like. Is this happening? Is it not? Is he waking up? Whatever. Oh, and the dog. The dog runs away in the middle of the film when they're outside. It sees something. This film does a lot of this, which is a, a trope that I kind of dislike. It's characters looking off in a distance, be it the dog or Travis or a couple other people, and then like having that, oh my God, I see something, and then never showing what you see. Okay. So the dog runs off. Don't, we never, they, don't they say, I don't know what I saw. I heard the dog and I thought I heard something else. At one point, there's yeah. a couple other points, but it, then it's in the dream or the not dream. It's all very sort of, I'll get to that. in a moment. So the dog runs off and the dog's barking. Then all of a sudden you're like, and the dog's done. And they're like, all right, everyone inside. And they're like, you know what? We're going to, you know, staying inside. Da, 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 da. The dad freaks out at, at Travis. 
uh, this is the night where things get weird. Mm-hmm. Travis wakes up because he never sleeps. Uh, he goes and finds the the son, um, Andrew mm-hmm. of, of Will and Kim uh, mm-hmm. sleeping at the foot of the bed of um, the grandfather's old room. And mm-hmm. he pick. he's like, oh, come on, buddy. Like, we got to we got to go back to your room. And it's all creepy, creepy, creepy. They put him back in with um, Will and Kim. And then he hears noises downstairs and he goes downstairs mm-hmm. and he gets to that long hallway and hears like like barking and growling and slamming. And uh, the door that's supposed to be dead bolted mm-hmm. is open. Right. And he walks out. Yeah. Ah! And the dog is in the inside. Okay. And that's the, the conclusion of this about how the, the door, w- the red door was open. And then the family sits down and ha- they have to kill the dog. And they have this discussion like, well, so then you came out, you opened the door because you heard the noise. And he's like, no, I didn't open the door. And then, then they have this whole long who opened the door? Could the little kid have opened the door when he was sleepwalking? Does he sleepwalk? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But the film forget it with a film that's so based yeah. in precaution and procedure and, and just making sure that everything is in order. Yeah. It forgot a major plot point, which is that the father has the key. The father has the key. The dog couldn't have got in the house. No one questions in the conversation where the key was or how the dog got inside. It was just, why is the red door open? Who opened the red door? Is there someone? And that's the thing that stems all of the, the, um, the, the not trusting the family sort of separate. But at that moment, this film had been so meticulous to me about this very intimate world that it set up that it just ignored one major thing that it set up in the beginning for me. And the entire time I couldn't stop thinking about the dog couldn't get in the house. It do, couldn't. Do you think it's possible that uh, the son got a hold of the key? Travis. Yeah. It's entirely possible. But the fact that they set up that as a precedent and then didn't pay it off with even I, like, a, no. So I'm asking you that question. Do you think that's possible within the framework of the story that he sure, but it is never done do or said. Remember a dream sequence when he goes outside and uh, picks up a gun and shoots the dog. He, uh, he goes outside. He never yeah. sees what he shoots. Do you think that there's a, uh, uh, that it's possible that, that Travis is the one who's who's sleepwalking. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent who's sleepwalking. A hundred percent. But they do. This is my point. Right. They. I, I, I get. I get. Yeah, yeah. No, here, here's and the thing. I get what you're saying. I'm saying all these things are possible. It's all possible, and I think. Uh, but for a movie that's based in pure procedure and a movie that's based in pure, just like this is how we need to do everything. Meticulous, meticulous, meticulous. We're even going to set up this thing to be meticulous, meticulous, meticulous. And then to throw out things like that, that yeah, all that's possible, but they're doing that in a manipulative, the filmmakers told them is doing that in a manipulative way to basically make suspense further or or, or lengthen uh, where I think there's other ways you could do it or at the very end wrap. And I'm not saying I need it in a bow, but if you, if you make half your film about procedure, you need to pay off those procedures and it doesn't. I guess what I'm saying, Travis, a hundred percent is sleepwalking. By the way, I guess what I'm saying is this doesn't seem like aliens who, who, who are killed by water. This seems like a, a small, yeah, I agree that, that potentially this is one of those. So I have this, I have this, um, uh, analogy whenever I'm making a film. Sure. Um, I remember making a film years ago. I, I wrote a film that someone else made and uh, I was the writer on set and uh, writer on set. And there was a scene where a person had like uh, walks into a room and then they walk into the next room and they have a torch in their hand. And it was the, the question that was asked is like, do we need to set up this torch? And I, I sat down and agonized about it for forever. I was sure. like, do we need to see this torch? And then like, Eventually, I think I can't remember if we actually wrote the scene or we shot it or anything like that. But it came down to the edit, and was like, I don't need to see this torch. I just need to uh, like my my audience just needs to. Nope, I hundred uh, percent get what, that. You know what this I mean? This is not that. I because I, the movie the movie sets up what's important and then breaks its own rules. I and that's I, I what think, gets me. I mean, if that breaks the movie for you, then then that breaks the movie for you. Uh, I'm telling you now that the the dream logic of things that are happening to Travis, which which seem to be more important to me, um, does not that makes this all the more interesting. I and just feel like it's 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 manipulative in a in a bad way to an audience. Now I but, and the and sorry, just to sort of sort of point it up. And the only reason it is. Mm-hmm is because of how they set things up in the first half of the movie. Right. If they did it differently 
and if they didn't sort of have this tenor of be everything a place for everything and everything in its place and then they don't do that in their own sort you know, of you rules. Know what this, this 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 brings me to is an interesting conversation we had last week. We talked about exposition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about uh, a scene, or you know, uh, I don't want to open up the Wonder Woman discussion <laughs> Wonder again. Woman! But but, but uh, you know, like I thought that the opening scene was very was was very much an exposition dump, and I wasn't, and I found yep. it to be inelegant. I did not, but yeah. Um, what I was really loving in this film, and I found so refreshing yep. and interesting is that this movie plays exposition in the way, in the exact way that I think I was talking about, I wish a film like Wonder Woman could do, which is that we're not being told, hey, this is what's happening. We're kind of experiencing. I 100% agree, but that's not what I'm talking about in, the, right. in my, with my gripe. I think this movie does that in a very, it does a very Mad Max thing. Granted, Mad Max is a bigger scope. This is a very small scope, but it teaches you about the world that these characters are living in uh, right. very and, and, naturally. And, and, right, and what I'm saying is is the, the notion because it seems like the thing that you're fixated on is that the only one person has this key and only one person could have this key at all times. Because they set it up as something very that important. That doesn't seem to me as structurally problematic as aliens who are, de- you know, affected by water. Sure, sure, finish, sure. Uh, who, are, who are affected by water. It strikes me as a kind of like flashlight in one room and not in the other room kind of thing, which is that, which is that, I mean, we don't know how much time has passed in this thing. We know that, that the family has become much more relaxed as time has gone on. We know that, that things have moved into a good place. I'm completely comfortable with the idea that the key that someone else got a hold of the key. And I'm presuming Travis at this point, I'm 100. If, if that breaks the movie for you, then that breaks the movie for you. I'm telling you the reasons why I don't, it, it doesn't yeah, yeah. break the movie. And, and he, I feel like that you saying it is the only time I've ever stopped and gone, huh? Huh? But it doesn't, I, even, I even it. stopping and thinking about it doesn't break the movie. For me I don't think it's even, even the slightest bit. I don't think the torch analogy works for this. It's just like, I don't think the signs analogy is a perfect thing right. uh, either. The torch doesn't work for me because if a character is going from one room to another, and then it's entering a dark room, it, it's possible that they just picked up a torch. The torch was not, uh, reference. They weren't, they didn't reference right. the torch but earlier in the possible, film. Do you think that's possible that Travis has act, you know, like we've seen him wandering sure, through the but, house, but, but that's, that's, that's a uh, cop out to me, honestly. It, oh, is it possible? I, is it, is I, it possible that, uh, that, that Diana was explained in wonder woman, the, how she can't come back to the Island. Oh, sure. It's possible. They didn't do it. And you had a problem with that. Right. Like, so my, my, my point is, but see that to me is a major point. Whereas this seems like, this, no, but it, they it, make it a major, there's a scene that focuses on the father that lasts for about five minutes where he goes over all the rules and how the house is set up. And these are the things that we're supposed to know to be able to follow. And they don't follow up with it. It's to me. And again, it's just, it's a small bit of laziness in an otherwise fantastic film. And I, I need that keystone for me to actually be able to do it. I would say as a filmmaker that, that the, like seeing Travis take the key or whatever, would not only not have only it around, have it around his neck at the end. The last scene we see him just something like right. that. I, I just, or have the father reach, touch his chest and something and never reference it again. Like, but they're just, it doesn't happen. Right. I, I just feel like that's the kind of scene in editing you would do possibly and feel and realize it's not that important. But here's a fun idea. You can make your entire thing work by just don't reference the key around your neck and still in editing, save the entire thing and not have this problem. But they didn't, they felt, they felt it was, they felt it was, they felt it was important enough to keep in that table scene when they were explaining the rules of the movie, but not important enough to follow or follow up on later. Again, I, I, to me, the logic of the film doesn't dictate that Travis didn't get the key at some point. Right, but that's the same as that's, saying that's, like that's, the logic. That's, the logic I could make up any excuse you're, to you're, go over. Here's a, here's, the, here's what I think you're you're getting hung up on is you're saying because the film sets up the rule that the father has the has the only key, therefore unless they say otherwise, the father is the only person that can open the right, door. But that's not where the story actually goes. Right. And I'm saying that doesn't seem like that. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, I cannot stand when any narrative sets up a rule, then just discards the rule without any mention of discarding the rule. And now, now, so let's, there's other things to talk about other than this, because I don't want to just keep harping on this. The end sort of big moment of this film, when uh, they decide to quarantine off and um, then there's this sort of level of distrust. Travis goes up in the attic and hears that we're, Will, Kim and Andrew are planning on leaving. Then they have this big kerfuffle uh, ending in tragedy mm-hmm. uh, with them wanting to leave with just half. And it turns out that um, 
Paul's character, which is sort of like the stereotypical, like every man kind of guy that like always saves the day in these sort of post-apocalyptic scenario films that we've, it's like, oh, if the, if the apocalypse happens, we're going to have to trust uh, Joe Countryman with a bunch of guns to get this shit moving. Uh, where Also a history teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas this one, uh, he, you know, him and Will get into a fight. He almost kill Will almost kills him, but I think Zasera shoot Will. Uh, yeah, she, okay. she, she shoots him in the back. Yeah. And then will picks up the gun and shoots at Kim holding Andrew running away. Hits Andrew first killing a child couple walked out on men. Can't blame them okay. um, because people get, I mean, you can't know history of people and whatnot. That's, it was a powerful scene. It was t- terrifying and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Paul finishes the job um, and kills Kim. Mm-hmm. And then uh, refresh my memory. Cause at this point I was still kind of broken with my whole narrative logic. It ends with Will. How do we know that then Will is sick at the end? Because uh, Will is sick. Will is sick. He we we have a scene where uh, uh, his mother, um, played by uh, Carmen Ijogo, Sarah, you know, like sees yeah. him and he's covered in blisters, so she knows he's sick. Okay, that's what it was. Um, and then it's just the scene. The movie ends with uh, Paul and and Sarah sitting at the table. Yeah. Like just in silence and just discuss, just in horror of what has happened well, and knowing that even through all of their precautions and everything, nothing they did matter and they're all going to die. Yeah. I think to me, what's interesting about that final scene is that it leaves me with this question that, that I think as a, as a parent is terrifying, but as even as a kid of parents, it's just like, which one is going to die first and how are we going to handle that death? And I like what I love about that final scene is that, you know, like these two people are left with that, with that conundrum. I, I guess I can see that, but at the same time, the film does nothing to sort of set that conundrum up. They're still sort of living in the, in the poison, of the get, pain. But I the think thing, that's a very personal thing. I, no, I don't no, see because that. I, a, I think because the thing is the, the film is experiential, right? Like it's all about like, what do I do in the scenario? So I'm sitting there. I going, don't think they're wondering what are we going to do and who dies first? I think they're like, Oh my God, yeah, we're all I think fucked. It, we're, they're all fucked. And, and like, what, how is this going to go down? Like, how yeah. are we going to, how are we going to negotiate our eventual demise? Do I, I, we, but we've, the, the film has set up the parameters that once you have the illness, death is inevitable, yep. right? Um, so now for these two characters, death is inevitable, but, but which one is going to suffer? Are we going to kill each other? The thing now, there was one part of this movie that I, uh, I was curious about and, um, it, it felt like this was slightly either a missed opportunity or something that they changed in the edit because, um, w- what, I was, you know, again, this movie engaged me in a way that few movies do, which is that I'm thinking through every parameter of what is happening. It felt very witchy for you, for me. Does that make sense? You really I, love the witch. It I, felt very similar to the witch and it, I figured you'd like. It. Yeah, 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 um, totally. Um, also an A24 film. I, I like the, the, I like the witch better. I, I do. I like the witch better in that. I think the witch. Uh, gets to a more profound and interesting ending than this film does. And, and for me, it never breaks its own rules. Okay, sure. Um, the the thing that uh, I was sort of thinking about as this was happening was that okay, now we've got a scenario where our child has has contracted the illness, which means we have to kill our child. But we've also have Sarah has willingly exposed herself to the illness in that scene where she says it's okay to let go. She's no longer wearing a gas mask. Yeah. And we also know that Travis has been in the room with Sarah and Paul. So they're, they're all exposed. This is when the- did Travis get sick? Do we even know? So my theory is, is that Travis has probably, you know, there's this, there's this idea that it takes 24 hours for symptoms to appear, Sure, but it may, I get the feeling that Travis may have been sick the whole time and the fever dreams that we're That's seeing, what I thought. And the fever dreams that we're seeing are the, the manifestation of the illness slowly. Yep. That's what I figured as well. By the way, there's a, there's a fever dream in this film where he like wakes up and sees blisters on his hands. And then we, and then he wakes up from that and he's rubbing his hands and then the blisters are there and then they're gone. Mm -hmm. That uh, I know double dreams are like one of those things, those tropes in movies. This one perfectly captured the anxiety I have when, Oh yeah, that felt real. Yeah. When I have a dream and you You wake up and then you're not waking up. Well, yeah. And also like, say for example, you have the dreams where you, where you've all your teeth have fallen out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you wake up and you're like, you still feel like your teeth have fallen out and then you touch your teeth and they're there and you're like this wave of relief comes sure. over your body. I just think that was so well. Done. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, 
you have this problem now where the three of us are have this disease. So death is an is an inevitable part of the equation. The question is now, as a family, how do we decide what de- you know what de- form death takes? And and the thing that I was like thinking about was like. What seems like the case that we should all do if, if death is inevitable is set the house on fire and, and there's actually a scene in the trailer that, and that was the thing I was like, that was what I was thinking about as that scene. I bet you there's a different ending. Yeah. And then, and then I went, well, uh, cause I don't watch the trailers. I watched the trailer afterwards and there's a scene where the house is on fire in the trailer. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what happened here that made that scene not work or for them to decide to, to, to end it at this point. Well, I tell you, and maybe that's where my key got lost. Uh, but maybe also it's just, I, and we've learned this from the lobster. And we've learned this from a couple other things. I hate these endings. I, I don't like these endings. in this movie. I was so already broken from it. Like I didn't have that visceral, like fuck you thing for the ending because the ending and the scene before it is so powerful that you're just like, ah, yeah. Um, but when it ended, it felt so abrupt to me. Huh? I, I, it, this is and one of those endings for me that was like, this is the perfect point to end your movie. No, I, I was, I, I was I mean, just like, like it's, I it's, was just sitting there and I was like, I looked over at my friend Katie who I was with and I was like, what? And that's when everyone heard people just be like, what the fuck? And like, that, that's the end. And I want my money back. And I'm like, I, <sighs> but see, so, so my experience at the end here and, and, you know, again, I'll take it as my experience. Sure. I want that, people to like this. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's made great is death is inevitable. And now, and what I love also is that there is this, um, it's a, it's a shot that's repeated from the start of the movie, which is that we have this triptych of, of Joel Edgerton, uh, of Paul, Sarah and, uh, Travis in this trifecta yep. and the, tri- and the trifecta has been broken. Um, and, and it also kind of, it related to the title to me as well. Um, because you know, like the question is, what is it? Well, it's paranoia. It's paranoia. It's also the disease. The disease comes at night and it's like, and these two characters are now. How sitting, does the disease come at night? It's it, you wake I mean, I'm presuming you wake up with it and you know, like, cause that's what happened to Travis. Uh, I wake, think it was parent. I think this title is, is again, this is my interpretation. I think it's hundred percent paranoia, but, but it's that's open, the, that's it's open this, to interpretation. Sure. But and, if you look at what the entire film does as a trope and what it uses throughout its entire thing it is paranoia. At Not, any rate, yeah. my, my, my question was, was when was the disease going to come for these two? And at what point was it going to, at what point was this going to start happening? The ending and, and was like, so abrupt that I couldn't find myself to care. Right. Whereas I, I see again, um, this is that thing where, uh, where Wonder Woman as an example, or guardians of the galaxy ends, I feel relatively not a lot, you know, I well, they like, wrap it up. Whereas with this, <laughs> this, yeah, this, this just leaves me, I think leaves you me like, quish, leave me, leaves me with question and it leaves me engaged. It leaves me engaged. It in the leaves story. me infuriated and it leaves me. And again, like, so an example of a film that I think does something like this, but not this, yeah. but th- this kind of like, let's leave them hanging on a thing that maybe they'll keep talking about after the fact where it really works and it doesn't damage it because it's not what the entire sort of film is about inception. Inception in the top. I don't. Inception has a ton of problems. Whatever. Okay. But the ending of Inception, when the, when the top is spinning and you're not quite sure if he's still in the dream or not, it's clever. It's, it's a clever, clever. Yeah. It's not. It's not narrative dependent, and it leaves you guessing and talking with your friends and trying to find hints and going back through the film, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This and I and I've noticed this about you. Uh, I know your mind and uh, you really like the cerebral exercise of after a film, especially with a film that sort of has an ending that's very truncated. Uh, You really enjoy getting into the character's head and be like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And you, I think the filmmaker in you sort of dives into that and thinks about all the wonderful possibilities that could happen narratively where I, uh, the filmmaker in me is angry that there's not a completed sort of it. it the story it's, is done. This is the thing. Let me just, I'll finish with this. Yeah. The story is done. There's no question. Yeah. The movie doesn't feel like it has an ending to me. Right. Whereas I, I, I like the thing is, is that three act structure has been around for a long time. We sure. all understand how a film should reach a third act crescendo and then uh, move on to a Don May and then resolve. Ooh, say, uh, say that word again. Don May. Yeah. I've been, I've been practicing my French. Hello, ladies. <laughs> um, but what I love, so, so my... My thing about cinema. <laughs> now say cinema with a French accent. Cinema. There you go. Le cinématique. Uh, my thing about cinema is that I feel like what I love about cinema is that it engages my brain beyond the scope of what of the four 
angles of the screen. Like it takes me out, you know, like it cinema to me is about the way you live your life. And it is, it is, uh, it is, you know, you know, this about me, but cinema is my, my passion in life. Yeah. It is the thing that I think about the most. It is the mode of communication, which I think is the most important to me. Yeah. Um, so what I love about cinema and what I love about the power of cinema for me is when a movie such as it comes at night or yeah, I, I do like the witch uh, 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 more as a film is that, is that this, the ending kind of flowers open uh, a sort of um, my brain and it gets me thinking about things in a different way. And, and what that ending had me thinking about is this broken trifecta of people and the way in which they are now left with this, with this, inevitability of death coming along. What I think about you as a, as a, as a reviewer, as a filmmaker, as a person is that you prefer it. I, I I'm, I'm not sure if this is exactly the case, but you don't like it when a film makes you feel something you don't want to feel. Oh no, I, no, no, no. I cannot, I cannot enjoy the act of watching a film, but then really like the film. Like there's right. no question about that. I, but yeah. you need, you need resolution in, in some way. You need a resolution that is clear and succinct for the story and the rules being set up and told the inception thing works because for whatever re the entire thing is about like the end sort of thing in the movie is like, Oh my God, are we still in it? Then like we finally escaped. And it's like, or did we, that doesn't really affect the, the what's just sort of but happened. It's actually, but but in Inception, that is actually directly tied to what that film is about. It's, because it's, it's a it's it's one of the um, machinations of the film, but it's it's it no, doesn't. But the, but the story itself is wrapped. But the thing is, to me, that 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 the reason the Inception ending is so good is because it, it really directly ties into everything that that film is trying to do, which is which is it's a film about reuniting family. Sure. And the question is, is that is he back? Well, the question, After, but, but no, 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 I got it. I got no, it. No, here's the thing. The, the question that that film leaves you on is, does it matter whether this is a dream or not? Sure. But the thing is we have the resolution of the actual ending. The ending of inception happens. Right. And then we already, I've experienced the ending. Whoo. I am now off the roller coaster and I'm getting off the roller coaster. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I forget my watch? Right. And like, boom, then it's out. Like that's the, that so whereas I, am a fan of when a film like when the roller coaster coaster stops midway and you're thrown off and you have to find your way back. And I, it sounds awful to me, but see, that doesn't sound awful to but me. Like the witch, for instance, you, the witch doesn't really have an ending that's similar to these two. It just, it, the witch, I liked the ending because it felt like the natural crescendo of what happened and, right. and, and the end of that family story. I, so the ending of the family of the witch, because the whole thing went down. All of them yeah, are dead. No, she joins the, the coven and then she floats, she floats off into the air. Because the question that's being asked in that film is that is the witch supernatural or is there, is there, how does this, is this in her head or is this real? Oh, see, I never had that question. It was always right. real. And, and then at the end she floats off into the sky, yeah, so you know, real. like, so it's real. So they and, give it a conclusion. Um, I, I agree. The ending of the witch, if you want to compare apples and oranges or whatever, is, is a more, is a strong longer ending. I would have, for me looking at this, it seemed to me that, f that, that, that fire is such an element to, is such a important yeah. element for death that, that the, what I would have loved to have seen is that it's okay to let go and then to cut to the house on fire and like, and like trying to f decipher what choice they'd made at that point. But um, even to the point, because everything, I, the funny thing is like, okay, here's, you want to know, I just thought of this off the top of my head. You want to know an ending that I would have thought would be fine. What's that? If you know, they're still outside, like maybe before they even get to the table scene or whatever. And you realize uh, maybe Trevor realizes he's sick a little sooner. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're Travis. still Travis. Sorry, yeah. I keep, yeah. Uh, and, and then Sarah and Paul are out like just dealing like, oh my God, this all just happened. What the hell? And, and Travis is like, I'm going to die. Like, this is awful. Like I'm only, this whole thing is awful. Yeah. So then if he, for instance, decided to then spare them the pain of having to kill their, his son and he burned himself alive in the house. Right. That would work if, if the last shot was just them in awe outside, just like kind of on their knees, like with the house burning, I would have been like, that's the end. Yeah, but I, I could have seen that happen because well. because the it, it, it just it just didn't feel like a satisfying and the, the whole like Trinity broken thing to me. I, I that, it had already broken again. This is a different style of thing, but it already sort of broken off my engagement where I wasn't even looking at the, the microcosms like that. Okay. And, I, 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 I was, and I'm glad it didn't break for me. I, 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 I want I kinda, people to like, I this kind movie. of agree with you that I think that the ending 
could be stronger, sure. but I didn't, I, I wasn't like broken or I wasn't like at the ending screaming at the screen. I was like, Oh, that's inter- That's where the film decided to, to end. Yeah. It's just, and, it's just and, the, the, the visceral, the visceral moment at the end. I was just like, uh, Oh man, you would, uh, have you ever seen films by Michael Haneke? Uh, maybe I don't uh, know off the top of my head. Uh, there's a film called cachet hidden, uh, French film. Ooh, uh, I know what cachet be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, uh, you would hate that ending. <laughs> you would, you would hate most of Michael Haneke's ending. Okay. Though, maybe right? I shouldn't watch him then. I, I think that they're interesting because the thing is they're the, indi- they're the kind of endings I love, which is that like, uh, and, and cachet, uh, hidden has an ending where I was like, when it ended, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then, and then I went back and thought about it and kind of engaged with it. And then I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, <laughs> and, and, but to me, this wasn't even the sort of wait, what I knew that this is the point at which this film was going to end. And I was pleased at the, at the, at the audacity, not the audacity, but the, the, um, the sticking to one's guns of choosing an ending that, that works for this filming. I like, I didn't feel like the filmmaker just got to this point and was like, uh, yeah, around here. I think this was the point at which the filmmaker just said, I'm ending my story. This honestly felt to me like there's a different ending. He wasn't happy with the way it sort of came out. And then he just decided, you know what? This is going to be a choose your own adventure of your mind ending. Go. No, we'll see. The fire thing is something that I'm bringing to the table. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, not, saying, sure. I'm not saying that that's true or not with fire or anything. I'm just saying this ending outside of our speculations, outside of that shot in the trailer, etc. It feels like something. Yeah, just from a, from 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 making movies right. mindset. It feels like this was for me was not the ending originally originally intended in the script. Have you seen there will be blood? Yes. Did you see the a long end? time ago? So Did, I don't have you seen, don't have you seen the ending. I don't remember. Okay. I didn't particularly like that film. Oh um, boy. I've, uh, by the way, that film uh, was ranked the, uh, the New York times ranked yep. the, 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 but again, most important movie, but that that's also a film that I will hundred percent unabashedly be like, I don't like it, but I can totally see it's right, an right. amazing piece of cinema. No, like, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to, I'm not trying to, um, uh, attack your opinion there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, uh, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. There's a difference between what you like in film and what I like in film, which is why I wanted to show you that scene at the yeah. beginning, because it was like, this is a scene that gets me really excited about this movie. I watch that scene and I go, holy shit, I am in for a ride sure. here and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, so that, you know, like, I guess I'm primed for a film like this and a filmmaker like this who is working is, you know what it is? It's challenging the audience and some people and some audience members don't want to be challenged. And, and that's, you know, but it's you're, challenging. It's set up. And I agree. Some I, audience members just don't want to be, but challenged. it's a challenge that is not, <sighs> a fair one. And by, and that's the wrong sort of term. How do I put it? He, for example, here's a movie that uh, a lot of people love and it has a, an ending uh, that I think is meant to kind of challenge. But have you seen the film moon? But yeah, 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 yeah. And the ending of that film kind of like, you know, like uh, happens. And I, and I find that ending to be sort of, a little bit lackluster sure. and uninteresting. And, and it felt like there was more story to tell uh, in that film. But, but this is not that this, this to me is a film that like is trying to tell a very specific story and it's a story of, and, and what I love about it is that it it's within the world of a genre film. It's within the yeah. world of uh, a horror or uh, a post-apocalyptic thing, mm-hmm. but it's really drilling down into one specific thing, which is the dynamics of family and, it, and yes. the dynamics of, of, of human interaction. And that's definitely what it wants to focus on. But then, Again, I do have to go back to the tenor of the, the what the characters deem as important. They throw out the window, right? Uh, I, I, and it, like, for instance, the, and even let's even get even off the conversation of the key. Yeah. In that conversation where they're confronting who opened the door, how would that sort of thing? That conversation is the dumbest conversation in the movie. And it and it's uh, Why? because Why? because because the characters up until that point have all been super cautious and smart and whatever, but they're ignoring key facts and not sort of pointing like what, at like what? Well, like how the how the dog got into the place in the first place did uh, and then like questioning like, OK, did someone maybe forget to lock the door? They just get focused in too much on this stuff. And then you counterbalance that with. You're never quite a hundred percent sure when uh, 
Trevor, Tr- Trevor, Travis, I can't believe Travis. Travis thank you. Yeah. Uh, is dreaming. And when he's not, and it, it, they, they, they do an interesting technical thing here, which is that, uh, and this happens in Cretia as well, yeah. quite to quite a bigger extent, which is that the, he changes the aspect ratio of the film. Oh, okay. So he goes from, uh, I believe it's, Two three five down to two three nine okay. or something like that. So he moves into cinemascope, the, and, and and the dream sequences are all filmed with that two three nine, and then the ending sequence where people get shot is filmed in that same two three nine. It's kind of almost like it's just, it's just fucking with you. Well, the dream, like his worst nightmares, are now becoming true. Sure, but then so the way this thing deals in suspense, it 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 the the suspenseful stuff comes from you as an audience member not knowing what is real when, and then sometimes you're snapped back and sometimes you're not. That's a very um is that is that so, so is that to me so uh, and it's fine, but I'm I'm it's it's it this movie dies for me. Mm-hmm. B- by a tons of small little paper cutty things because like the key in the, in the way that sort of the, you're never quite sure. Like it feels, it feels, yeah. this is the thing. Sorry. I keep sort of g- going off of what I really want to say. It is manipulative in a particularly not interesting way to me to build the suspense okay. because, and again, the reason why is it's, it's, it sets up rules or rules and these need to be followed and da, 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 da. But then the film itself kind of break, and you could, maybe that's, that works. That sort of juxtaposition works really well because no matter what you'd prep in the post-apocalyptic, some shit's going to happen and you're going to be fucked. Uh, it just, it, it, and I guess again, if I, this is sort of my final thoughts and then I'll let you finish it off. Um, it just sets up one thing. Mm-hmm. and then throws it out the window for admittedly a more interesting aspect of, of paranoia and family and survival, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't do it in, in a way because of the first half into the second half. I don't feel like the, there, there's very little elegance in the, I don't know which sort of side uh, if it's a dream, if it's not, is, is this important? Is it not now that having to be said, and I don't want to end on a negative note. Uh, there's a ton about this film. Like I said in the beginning that I absolutely loved. I think it's masterfully directed overall. The acting is some of the best sort of small scope stuff I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. The set design is amazing. The music cues, the sound design, the cinematography, all of it is top fucking notch. And I want people to see it, but I would be remiss to not like if someone said, Hey, should I go see this? I'll be like, I would literally say straight up to them. I'd be like, yeah, but I really didn't like the ending. Right. Because I would feel like I would be doing a disservice to not throw that caveat in there. Right. Um, and I wouldn't want to spoil it anything beyond that. You know what I say to people when that kind of scenario what? happens is that I, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out what kind of film viewer they are. Yeah. And, and there are certain people that I would recommend this film to. And there are certain people I just sure. would say, you know what? You're not going to enjoy it. Um, I think it's a great film, but I, but I, I don't dispute that people are not going to enjoy it. Right. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I thoroughly was engaged with it. And I think that that question of suspense is really interesting because the one thing that I thought was really well done was the, the opening, there's a scene at the beginning where Will and Paul are going on the road to try and find Will's yeah. family. And it's on this, on this truck and the whole, the whole scene plays out and and what happens is, is Paul and Will get ambushed uh, and there's a question the, the the scene hinges upon the question of what does Will know and and like who is he telling the truth and that comes up again later on where um, when when uh, they're sitting to have a drink and at one point it Paul realizes that a truth had that will has told him before has been changed. Again, I think this is a filmmaker that loves Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. um, because of the reference to punch drunk love. And this scene played out very much like those a scene from are the were, type of that, that those two things that you just referenced are my favorite kind of suspense. So the suspense of the, of the who opened the door thing to me plays in the same way because I'm still, quit- I think it's hold completely on, different because I'm still asking the question, what does will know? And do I really trust him? And in fact, and the, and the way that, in which the what happens towards the end which is when they're having an argument and we don't see the child sick 
and he says that, and you know, and Will says, Hey, get your mask off. There's no one sick here. It starts asking me the question is like, how much does Will actually know? How much is he trying to sabotage and how much is he self delusional about this? So I, the, 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 the way in which this film plays with suspense in that regard really works for me. And it really, and again, the thing that I love is that all of this is hinged upon that. I don't think Will is a bad guy and I don't think, I don't think any of them are bad. Guys. And I don't think Paul is a bad guy. I don't think Paul is like Paul's historically cautious uh, tr- out to kill children or anything like that. I yeah. think he is like basically saying, this is the world with which I live in now. Mm-hmm. And I need to make choices that are difficult. Like, and the first choice he has to make is kill is killing uh, his father-in-law. Yep. Um, and that's, and, and that's where this film works for me. It's, it's not in the execution is wonderful. The execution mm-hmm. is beautiful. This is a, um, this is a director who knows and understands composition and camera movement yep. and sound, um, to a degree that is, um, uh, uh, I would say I, I would. What's what's the term for when Amadeus uh, pr- pr- prodigal? Oh, you know he, he's a prodigy of some. Someone's type. been playing words with friends because <laughs> um, he, you know, he's young. He's a very young guy. He's a he, Krisha, He was only twenty eight years old when he made that. Mm-hmm. He's probably only in his thirties now, uh, maybe. Um, so, you know, he has a real command of tone of length of the cinematic language, and but 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 all of that to me is secondary to his, to his command of experience, human experience. And what this film works for, the reason this film works for me is that it is a profound human experience. It is a, it is a, a genre, you know, story. It's the walking dead. It's a zombie movie, whatever. It's a, you know, horror paranoia, but it's really about like, what would you do in that situation? And what, and what are the choices that you're going to make in that situation? That's why this film lands for me is that I feel connected to the choices that these characters have to make. And I feel connected to these characters. Um, and that's, that's why, uh, you know, like, and, and to, you know, here's the thing. If a filmmaker does that, um, then I'm fine with whichever direction you want to take your story, mm-hmm. whichever, whichever direction a filmmaker wants to take their story as long if, if they, if their foremost concern is engaging me. And then if they're secondarily doing that through the mastery of the cinematic language, sure. then I'm like, do with it what you will take me in a place that I didn't expect you were going to take me to and do it. Uh, take me, take me anywhere. Now I'm in your hands and, and, and you know, I, I want to be on this ride with wherever it is you want to go. Um, and the, and that's why this film works for me. Okay. Um, well, there you go, guys and, and gals. This has been the only podcast about the film. It comes at night. Uh, Shahir, when you're not, Coming, coming at, at night, night. where oh. can folks find you oh god there's no retort to that that doesn't sound disgusting but you can come at my website yeah, <laughs> oh, sure i mean i'm sure some perv out there has uh oh god i've never thought about that before now i've got the image in my head um w- oh, oh, wait, you just got the image sorry you just got the image of someone jerking off to your website in your head yeah that's amazing i've never thought of that image has never occurred to me. Well, welcome to the internet. <laughs> Rule 34, baby. <laughs> uh, you can do what you do on my website at www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Um, Matt, when you're not incepting disgusting images into people's brains with a spinning top, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me working on my spec script for the porn parody, also titled It Comes at Night at Matthew Kroll, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram and Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, All 10 of you, we appreciate we it. Appreciate, thank you for sticking around. Uh, oh, by the way, write us in uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought. Uh, did, did, did this movie have any problems? Did you say, fuck it, this movie's brilliant? Uh, did it have the keys to your heart? Is what I'm going to say. Work on those night moves. Yeah. <laughs> Work on them right now. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.